You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Before anybody came, I was walking through the auditorium and just walking through and praying for each seat and each person that's going to be here this morning. And uh, lights were off and I was singing, Thou Art Worthy. And you know, we start thinking about how good God is. It just helps us all of the pressures and problems that we face. They just start fading away. And the things and the burdens that are in our mind and sometimes are overwhelming, you start praising God, all of a sudden you recognize how small, how big He is and how small our problems even are. And what a blessing. Thank you so much for that uh, message in music this morning. Matthew chapter number 9, and here as we look in this passage of Scripture, the Lord has just left the country of the Gadarenes, and if you were looking at the Bible country at that point, you would have the Sea of Galilee, and then just to the uh, southeast uh, side of that was the Gadarenes, and, and then on the west side, up on the, uh, the northwest side, would be uh, Galilee, Nazareth, Capernaum, and that's where the Lord has just traveled from, uh, from uh, the Gadarenes. And while he was in the Gadarenes, there's two maniacs of Gadara uh, that came to him. And uh, we have a little bit more uh, interaction with one of them than the other. But these two maniacs of Gadara that had come and the demons were cast out of them. And you see just the miracles that the Lord had done. And that, uh, that miracle was the 12th miracle, chapter number nine here, we see many more miracles going to take place just back to back to back. And uh, here we see the paralyzed man in verses one and two. Mark chapter two tells us that uh, this paralyzed paralyzed man, the man with the palsy that was brought to the Lord here in Matthew 9. He's the same one that was born of four, and we see that in the gospel of Mark. But he was brought to the Lord, and he was healed. Then we see as he leaves there to go meet Jairus's daughter, who has died, as he is on in route to go raise this young girl from the dead, we see that a woman with the issue of blood comes and she had been uh, plagued with this issue of blood for 12 years and now uh, she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment and she is healed and then he gets to Jairus's daughter and uh, this man who left uh, all of the things that were going on at home uh, the body was at the house the minstrels were there and the mourners were there and all the events uh, of someone who has died Died and uh, and with that be in prayer for Brother Salas. His mom passed away this week, and ninety one. 95, and 95 years old, and uh, so uh, be in prayer for them. But here you think about uh, all of the events. Can you imagine if you were the dad and uh, or the mom and you left during a funeral? That would not be acceptable. 
But they, this, this man did, and he left, and he went and sought the Savior, and we see how uh, his daughter is then healed. Uh, then the 16th miracle, we see uh, some blind men uh, in chapter number 9, verse 29. Uh, these two blind men are crying out and, and uh, asking the Lord for, uh, for them to be healed, and the Lord is going to heal them. But all of these miracles were miracles and acts of faith. You know, everything that God does in the life of the believer is through faith. He expects us to not only have faith, He expects us to live by that faith. So all these miracles were acts of faith. They were the exhibitions of faith. But it was, was it the exhibition of the Lord's faith? where these miracles took place? Or was it the, ex- the exhibition of somebody else's faith? And that is the absolute case. God has all faith. He knew what he was going to do. Uh, but here it was the faith of these individuals. So uh, the maniacs of Gadara uh, in eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 28 to 34, we see how these two came to Jesus. They were coming out of the tombs knowing that Jesus was going to cast these demons out and they were healed. Uh, the paralyzed man uh, that was born of four, they, uh, these men knew that if they could get their friend to Jesus, they had faith that Jesus was going to heal this man. Uh, and the Bible says, that uh, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy, son, thy sins be forgiving thee. Uh, so here the Lord saw their faith. It was visible. Uh, you look at the ruler's daughter in verse number 18 of Matthew 9. And while he spake these things uh, unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. You talk about faith, that is faith. His daughter had already died, and yet he is still coming to Jesus and knowing that she was going to be healed. She was going to live. Uh, the woman with the issue of blood uh, in, in uh, verse 21, for she said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garments, I will be whole. I shall be whole. She knew. She just had to get close to Jesus. There was faith that she had, and it was exhibited in her life. Uh, And Jesus told her, thy faith hath made thee whole. Uh, The two blind men, uh, they they came in verse 27, and when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said unto him, yea, Lord, then touched he their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. So we see that these miracles were all responses to faith. They were responses of faith by people just like you and me. I don't know about you, but I want to see miracles. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to just go through life with only what I can do. I want to to see God work in miraculous ways. But God is going to do that according to our faith. So this 
this faith, when we think about it, oftentimes when we talk about faith, uh, people will say, well, you know, my faith is private. My faith is personal. No, you're, you and, my, and me, our faith is not supposed to be private and personal. It is supposed to be exhibited. Faith is not an emotion. Faith is an action. My pastor used to tell me, he said, uh, faith is belief plus doubt, but stepping out on the faith, the belief. You know, uh, we don't know exactly what God is going to do, but we are to act in this area called faith, and we are to, uh, to have faith. Uh, so it's not personal, it's not private. Uh, sometimes uh, they don't want it to be published or proclaimed or pronounced or uh, presented. It's something that's just personal that nobody needs to know about, that we don't talk about, but that's not what faith is. That's not how we see faith in action in the Word of God. Uh, the Greek word here for faith is the Greek word pistis, and it's the word, it's the root word for pistuo, which is the same word for believe, to to entrust. When it talks about believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, it is that trusting uh, the Lord. And it's not just a, a mentality, just a mindset. It is that action of putting your faith and trust in the Lord. Uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth, there's that that word pistuo, a, a derivative of pistis, which is faith. And, and here, uh, believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, John three eighteen. he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Uh, John three thirty six. he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And so here we see that faith, that trust uh, that is there. It's tied together. And you and I, we have to live by faith. When we think about people in the scriptures, when they were saved, they acted out, they followed their faith. In Acts chapter number 2, verse 41, the Bible says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things coming. What do we find? We see this belief, we see this faith, but we see an action that was a response of that belief. That trust went beyond just uh, putting faith in Christ. That faith was lived out. And you and I are to live that kind of faith. Faith isn't a feeling, it was an action. 
So when we go back to our text here with the paralyzed man in Matthew chapter number 9, uh, I think there's some things that we can learn about this area of faith, some observations that I want to point out to you. Uh, so number one, I want you to see, first of all, I want you to see in this uh, miracle, we see, first of all, we see the man. Uh, this man uh, was with the palsy, and he was brought to Jesus uh, by the action of faith of somebody else. These individuals, they had faith that the Lord was going to heal uh, their friend. Uh, they had somebody that was needly uh, and was needy. They had somebody that was helpless. They had somebody that was hopeless. And you know what? People that are without Jesus are helpless and they're hopeless. And they need somebody by faith to bring them to Jesus. You know, you and I, as a believer, as a Christian, uh, though we may be overwhelmed by circumstances in life, and though we may have pressures and problems that, that bring some very real burdens and, and hurts and heartaches in our life, we are not without hope. We're not without hope. You know why? Because we have the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And you know, that is the very beginning, is having the Lord. And this man, uh, he, he had a need. He had a physical need. He had a spiritual need. And, and here, uh, we, need to have, we need to be a people just like these, these four individuals who are willing to bring this man to Jesus. Their faith caused them to do something about the condition of their friend. Uh, they need somebody, uh, the lost, they need somebody to bring them to Jesus. Somebody who will care. Somebody who will be inconvenienced. Somebody that will deal with the issues and remove the obstacles uh, that are in the way that are stopping them uh, from coming to Jesus. Uh, take your Bibles and go to to Mark chapter number two. And in Mark chapter two, what we find is the parallel story in the gospel here of this same event. But what we find here is a little bit more detail about what took place with this man who was brought to Jesus uh, with the palsy. In, in Mark chapter number two, look with me at verse number three. It says, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. You know, here what do we find? We find some men by faith who had a friend who was a man who was sick of the palsy who needed to get to the Savior. And it was not convenient. Uh, can can you imagine all of a sudden now they've got to carry this guy and so they go and there's four individuals they pick up this man's bed they start carrying him through the town I don't know how far his house was from where Jesus was but I'm I'll promise you it was inconvenient have you ever had to move your bed from one room to another our beds all come apart and it's still inconvenient it's still a problem and here, these men, they had to figure out how to get this bed out. But there was somebody on the bed. Now they got to get him out of the bed. They got to get the bed out. They got to get him back on the bed. They got to transport him to where he was. But then there's a multitude of people that were there and they couldn't get to Jesus because of all the people. And so now they had to figure out. They could have just said, well, you know what, mom? 
Well, not going to work today. They could have stopped right there, but they didn't. Here they, they figured out a way. They had to figure out a way. Uh, so now they're going to get him into the, into the house. The only way they can get him into the house is to get him on the roof. Now think about this just logistically for a second. Getting somebody that's in a bed. We're not talking about somebody that's on a recovery stretcher uh, that is uh, made to pick up and to carry and to transport to where you can lock somebody in, strap them all in, grab a rope or a harness, and slide them up. There's no helicopter that's going to come down, grab this uh, this uh, uh, stretcher, and bring them up. This is a bed. Now they got to get them up on top of the roof. They get them up on top of the roof. Well, the roof is covered, so now they got to rip the roof apart. Uh, I'm sure the owner of the house was trying to figure out what is going on. They get their chainsaws out and and start uh, shooting through this roof. No, uh, no chainsaws. They start breaking into this roof and and, and destroying this roof to get this man in. Then they got to get him back down. Not only was it hard to get him up on top of the roof somehow, but now they got to let him back down into the house where Jesus at. This was not a small endeavor. This was not something that was convenient to do. This wasn't a, a, an easy process. This was something that these individuals, their faith caused them to do that which was inconvenient. You know what? If you and I are going to bring people to Jesus, it's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be inconvenient. Our are they worth us being inconvenienced? Oh, pastor, they're worth it. When do you go tell people about Jesus? Pastor, Saturday doesn't work for me. I understand. What about Monday? What about Tuesday? What about Wednesday? We know the rest of the days of the week, so I won't keep going. You see, if we are going to allow our faith to be exhibited that is going to impact a man, we have got to make sure that it's not, we are not going to stop because of the inconveniences of life. I'll promise you, life is not going to become uh, just clear one day. You're not going to just wake up and there's nothing to do. Well, maybe. Little Ludwig, how old are you? How old are you? 87? 87? All right. He wakes up. He still has stuff to do. He doesn't have as much to do, maybe, at this point. Uh, but he's still got something to do. You know what? Life is always going to have obstacles. But you see, we find this faith being lived out. First of all, we see this man. Uh, secondly, I want you to see it doesn't stop with a man. It goes to a multitude. Uh, verse number eight, uh, when, he, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, uh, uh, which had given uh, such power unto men. You see, this miracle of healing was not just for the man. It was also for the multitude. 
It was, it was this individual was now uh, his action. Uh, these individuals that brought the man to the Lord and saw the healing, this miracle that took place, now there's a multitude that's impacted by it. You know what? You and I might think, well, I, I'm only one person. Well, if you win one person, you may win one person that is going to change the multitudes. Uh, you and I, we may have an impact on one, and that one may have impact on thousands. And we don't know uh, what God is going to do, but we do know that it doesn't just stop with one. He went from the man uh, to, the, to the multitudes. The miracle of healing uh, was for the multitude. Isn't it amazing how the Lord would use somebody else's faith to draw so many to him? John Wesley, he was a theologian in the 1700s, uh, a preacher, uh, evangelist, and, and as he was uh, preaching, great crowds would swarm to hear him as he preached, and someone came and they asked him and said, uh, Mr. Wesley, uh, how come people come to hear you preach, and how come you have so many crowds of people that are coming? He said, I set myself on fire, and people come to watch me burn. You know, somebody had to reach him. Somebody had to reach a D.O. Moody. Somebody had to reach uh, the men of faith throughout the decades and throughout the years. Uh, and God uh, used the one uh, to reach another who reached the multitudes. So we see here the man. We see the multitudes. But then we see Matthew. I want you to see as we look at Matthew here, not Matthew back there, but Matthew here in the Bible. Uh, and here as we look at Matthew, look at verse number nine. It says, and as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. You know, there was a man that was sitting by, was sitting nearby of all that was going on that was impacted by all these events. The man was healed. The multitudes that were there. And now we have Matthew. He's pointed out. Why is he pointed out? Because Jesus is going to use Matthew as one of his 12. The Lord is going to call Matthew to be an apostle. It says in verse 9 again, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. He saith unto him, Follow me. Uh, and, and now uh, Matthew is going to be an apostle. He is going to be an a, a, a apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the word apostle means sent one. An apostle, and I'll talk about that tonight, uh, how they were, uh, not only were they called and commissioned, uh, they, but they had to personally see the Lord Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so uh, he is going to be one of the 12 to whom the Lord is going to hand off the faith to. And they are going to take the faith and they're going to run with it in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13, we read the list of the 12. And when it was day, Matthew, or Luke 6, 13 to 16. And when it was day, he called unto his, his, him his disciples, and one of them he chose, 
I'm sorry, let me start over there. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, from whom also he named apostles. Simon, whom whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon called Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. You know, uh, this, this man, Matthew, he was impacted by all that was going on. The act What act of our faith will impact somebody else for eternity? What part of our faith is going to impact somebody else? You know, when we look at Matthew, Matthew was an individual who was successful. Matthew was an individual who was wealthy. Matthew was an individual who was powerful. And and with that, a lot of times we look at these individuals and we think, oh, they're not going to do anything for the Lord. They've got too much going on. Jesus walks by and says, follow me, and he does. You know, it's not what we can figure out. It's what God's already figured out. And here, this this man, he is going to give up everything to follow the Savior. Now, what what brought this about? Was it the faith of the man who was sick of the palsy? Uh, Was it the faith of the men who brought him uh, to Jesus? Was it the response of the multitudes? We're not quite sure what it was that brought Matthew to a place where he was going to leave all and follow the Savior. But what we find is somebody else's faith impacted him. And it caused him to follow the Savior. So we see the man, we see the multitude, we see, the, uh, we see Matthew. And these acts of faith cause people ultimately, number four, to marvel and magnify. Look with me at verse number eight. But when the, disciples, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. They marveled. They were just amazed to see these miracles that were actions and exhibitions of faith. It caused them not only to marvel in their own minds, it caused them to magnify God. You know, you and I, in our faith, it matters. There's somebody that's watching you. For somebody, you are the only Christ that they will ever know. You are the only Bible that they will ever read. They are looking at you as a Christian, and your, your actions, your life, uh, your acts of faith, are, it's the only thing that they are going to see that's going to draw them to the Savior. And you and I need to make sure that our faith is going to cause people uh, to be drawn to him. Our faith, our actions, our living out of the trusting of God's ways, uh, it, it brings glory and it brings honor to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but, if one, but one day we're going to all stand before the Savior. And when that day comes... I don't want to come to him empty-handed. I want my faith to have mattered. There are people that the Lord wants me to reach. There are people the Lord wants you to reach. Maybe it's a man. 
Maybe it's a multitude. Maybe it's one that God is going to set apart. I don't know what God's going to do, but whatever we do with our life, let's make sure that our life of faith is going to cause people to marvel and magnify God. Unto him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. You know, you and I are to bring glory to God. And a life lived in faith caused people to marvel and it caused people to magnify. Let's live that kind of life. Let's live a life by faith. Uh, let's live a life that's trusting. Let's live a life that's believing. Let's take that life to where sometimes we're just not real sure uh, and we're taking steps, but let's live by faith. Maybe it's taking steps of faith in the Christian life and you learn something in the word of God and uh, I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to be a witness. Well, Lord, I just don't know about this witnessing thing. I don't know that I've got all the answers. I don't know that I can do that. Just take that step of faith. Pastor, I'm just not sure about uh, this holy, consecrated life. Uh, my, my friends will think I'm crazy. Yep, they will. It's all right. Just take that step of faith. Taking the step of faith of being faithful to God's house and being faithful in our service, taking steps to where we are doing what things that the Lord wants us to do. It's all by faith. None of us can see it all. It's all by faith. But the more steps of faith you see and the more that you see God showing himself faithful, you're able to take another step. Now, with the, with the finances, with our family, with our finances, uh, with our future, whatever it is, let's make sure that as a believer, we are not just having faith in our heart. Let's make sure we're living faith in our life. Let's take those steps of faith. What is it? What step of faith does the Lord want you to take? Maybe a step of faith is going to be your tithes and offerings. Pastor, I'm just not sure that I can give a tithe. I just don't know that I can afford that. I just don't know that uh, that's going to all work out. Just take a step of faith. Pastor, I don't know about this missions. I'm already tithing and this missions, I, I'm just not quite sure about that. Take a step of faith. This building Lord, I, Pastor, I'm just one person. I don't know what I can do. Take a step of faith. God has a way of meeting our needs. Let's all take steps of faith. And you and I, when we take steps of faith, it brings honor and glory to God. You know, all of us need to be growing. Our theme this year uh, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Building up you. And, you know, as we look at that, that building up you is so we can live the life of faith. It's not so we can pat ourselves on the back or say, hey, look at me. No, we are to live a life of faith. And my growth is to help me to be able to take those steps of faith. 
The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17. Let's live by faith. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Thank you for your goodness to each and every one of us. And now, Lord, as we've, we've gathered, as we think about your word, I pray that you'd help us not just to know it, but Lord, help us to live it. And so bless now this time, heads bowed, eyes closed. You're here this morning. Say, Pastor, I've taken that first step of faith. I know the Lord Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I know if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. You say, Pastor, that's me this morning. I, I do know. I've taken a step of faith uh, in trusting the Lord as my Savior. Just slip your hand up. Uh, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I sa I'm saved, I know it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you're not sure, you can put your hands down. If you're not sure that you're on your way to heaven, you're not sure that you've taken that step of faith for your eternal destiny, let me encourage you, accept the Lord today. Take that step of faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And you and I, we have a wonderful opportunity to be a child of God. But that step is a step of faith. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the pastors are down front. Let me encourage you to come and we'll have someone sh share the good news of the gospel with you so you can know for sure. Maybe you're saved and you've not been baptized, not followed the Lord in believer's baptism. Take that step of faith. Whatever that step is that the Lord's putting his finger on in your life right now, that one area where it's just jumping right to the front of your mind. Maybe it's being a witness. Maybe it's living the Christian life. Maybe it's our faithfulness to him, whatever it is, let's deal, do business with God right now. Just talk to him about it. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.